going to uh, have a look at Jeremiah 18, 1 to 4, to lead us in a reflection before we get into our focus for the morning. It says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as he as seemed best to him. God's direction to Jeremiah to go to the potter's house was a message of great warning for the Israelites. If they weren't willing to be like the clay in the potter's hand, soft and mouldable to the will of God, then they will be in for disaster. And that's the same for us. If we come to a belief in God, but then be resistant to the work that he wants to do, we may break in his hands. Whereas if we'd be willing to move with God and as God sees fit, then we can be transformed slowly and slowly, magnificently into the image of Christ. He must become greater, I must become less. Let's pray. And God, we come before you humbly, Lord, with these words on our hearts. God, to ask you to have your way and your will in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we have been talking about changing the status quo in relationship with God, being prepared to do something different, to go a little bit deeper. And this week we're going to understand the role our giving plays in relationship with God. How our giving directly reflects our faith. Whether it be uh, giving monetarily, whether it be through our time in our possessions, the stuff that we've got, giving God our relationships. By giving God the things we hold dear and letting go of them ourselves, it's actually an act of faith where we are prepared to say that he is going to do far greater things with these than what we can. We are prepared to rely on him far greater than what we can do ourselves. So I want you to imagine for a moment if you were given a gift like these flowers here. I don't know, uh, one of the things that came to mind when I found this picture, I, I thought to myself, well, it's the thought that counts. <laughs> and it's a, it's a funny turn of phrase and you think, well, what, what are the thought, thoughts that have perhaps gone into this? Maybe, maybe uh, it was a bit of a last minute thing. Maybe it's all, all I could find. So, so not a whole lot of time and thought has gone into it. Maybe it's actually a reflection of, you know what, I, I just couldn't be bothered getting anything better. 
And I think sometimes the turn of phrase of it's the thought that counts actually reflects that perhaps not a whole lot of thought has gone into it. How much, how much value is in that actual thought in the beginning? Because the effort and the gift that has reflected the thought isn't too stunning or valuable in itself. It's a bit of a challenge, I think. Our money, our time, our stuff, our relationships, while inherently they're not bad things, they can all very easily form barriers to our relationship with God, that they actually stand in the way. Because as soon as uh, God isn't the one leading us, in our hearts and perhaps one of these other things is taking the pride of place, then all of a sudden our relationship with God will inevitably suffer. I was challenged uh, just recently about giving even my most inconsequential time to God recently. A number of times in the space of a week, I'll have course to go down the street, whether it's get something for co- from Coles for, for the tea and coffee or something like that. And, and I, Listen, I have no idea why, and so I'm blaming God, um, but I came out of my office and looked at Tiff and I said, you know what, I'm going to grab one of, we've got these four prompt cards that have been in the foyer, and I said, you know what, I'm going to grab each one of those four prompt cards and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them out by the time I've gotten back. And, and, and it was out of a thought of, you know what, I'm going out into the community. I'm going out. I, I could actually use this time, not for my task and plan, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it effectively. And I, to be honest, I said to Tiff, like, I hope I'm going to do this. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a spiritual gift of mine, but, but you know what, I felt like I needed to use this time. And, and uh, so I put all four in the bottom back, back pocket and the whole way down the street I'm praying to God and I'm looking around, God, well, well, how do you want me to share this? Well, is there a conversation that I could overhear or what's going on? And, and I tell you, I was freaking out inside myself the whole way because I was so prepared, you know, I'm thinking the boldness of the Holy Spirit that those people in Acts had, what's going to happen? And I don't know if I want this to happen. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, to our great God, uh, was in Coles, was looking up these aisles, just thinking, and around the corner came the receptionist from the mechanic who I've visited too many times since I've come to Williamstown, who, uh, who actually comes to a fitness class here uh, a couple of times a week, who I've actually had... Because I know who she is and saw her coming in the first time, I quickly raced out just to say hi and, and greet her and just, oh, I didn't know you came here and, and build a conversation. This is the person that comes around one of the aisles. And we both talk about how sick we've been and all this sort of thing. And, and I'm like, well, God, like I've got to do this. And I just pull one of these out. I'm praying that he pulls out the right prompt. <laughs> And I put it in her hand and just say, hey, listen, I don't know what's happening for you, but I just I just have felt prompted and, and this is an opportunity for me to share this with you. And I don't know where you're at with God and that sort of thing, but, you know, maybe he's going to speak to you right now. Um, and, you know, we had a little bit more of a chat and, and went on our way. And, uh, 
What a blessing it was, I tell you. And I pray that it would be more of a blessing for her than it was me. And I'm walking back back here and I'm thinking, now I told Tiff I was going to give out four of these. And I'm already on my way home and I've still got three. And I'm thinking and I'm going, well, I had my limited opportunities. And uh, and then I had a person where I sit in the office, I can look out to the street heaps and you see all these people go past and you get to this point where you're like, oh, yeah, like you nearly feel like you know them because you see them. Four, four times a week. One of these, these ladies in a pram went past me and, um, and I thought, oh, that's that person. And, um, and I'm thinking, well, maybe there's an opportunity and she's off ahead of me and I'm thinking, she's a young female. I'm a creepy guy with facial hair. Um, anyway, I just called out, excuse me, after a while because I, no, I, no, I didn't know what to say. And I thought, I'll just say excuse me and then God's got to do something. Um, and she stopped and we got to walk the rest of the way and I just talked to her about, um, about playgroups and asked her, you know, I've not long been here in Williamstown and, you know, you've got a young kid and, and we just talked about, you know, what she saw as a helpful thing in, in playgroups. And, um, you know, I got back in the office and I thought, you know what, it's not so bad I didn't give out all four. I mean, that was, that was perhaps a part of my plan. Uh, but if I wasn't prepared to go down that street, if I didn't have that, that spirit of willingness and openness to go, you know what, I'm going to give this inconsequential nothing time to God, then I wouldn't have had the conversation in the supermarket and I wouldn't have had the conversation on the street. Giving to God. So what is our giving like? How do we use what we've got? Is our giving enabling relationship with him or is it perhaps getting in the way of relationship with him? Is what we give a thoughtful and well-prepared thing filled with generosity or is it done haphazardly? When I was young, uh, younger, we used to, my siblings and I, we used to go to other churches sometimes in the evening and, and uh, enjoy a different flavour of, of uh, a church service than what we were used to. And, and it used to really irritate us when, uh, when to, to, to put it straightforward, when it seemed like the introduction to the offering took as long as the sermon. And, you know, we might have had a great time worshipping and and got lost in the message. But but that, that, that's the thing that, you know, we'd sort of leave with a bit of a taste in our mouth. And, um, you know, it always made me feel uncomfortable when I was younger. But I can tell you this, ironically enough, that probably, and, you know, I'm talking I was maybe oh, 17 or 18, across those first 18 years of my life, I guarantee you I didn't give a total more of $40 to, an off, to, to offering across all those years. Ironically enough, the thing that irritated me enough and the most was the thing that I wasn't actually prepared to give to God myself. And while I'm sitting there and listening to what they have to say, uh, instead of listening and thinking, this, here's an agenda from them and I don't like their agenda, I was actually missing the agenda that God had for me. I actually had a young man uh, from my previous youth ministry come to church two 
or three times over a number of years. And after the last time he came, after a while, I had a conversation with him. And uh, he said, and just by coincidence, every single one of those weeks that he came along, he said, you know, every single week, preach about money. And I laughed because, you know, as someone who is at, well, who was at the church, you know, nearly every single week for the space of uh, 14 years probably at that stage, I had the, I suppose, the depth of experience to know that they were probably the two or three times we ever preached (laughs) about money. Coincidence? I think not. I think God works far greater than that. It wouldn't be a surprise to discover that this young person had an issue with money. The thing that he didn't want to give to God was the thing that he reacted to most strongly. Funny to think we can apparently go searching for a relationship with God and when he points out something to us about our relationship with God, we actually decide to take a stance of criticism instead. I know that through my life so far, the devil has always used the things that I hold most dear to get in in the way of my relationship with God. I realised in year 11 and 12, um, I was never planning to go to uni, and so I really enjoyed meeting girls in my classes. Um, we, We were at a high school in Bendigo where all the high schools are individual, Uh, until year 11 and 12. And so then all these other schools feed to one big school for VCE. And and so you didn't have classes with many other people you knew. And so I got to meet these fantastic young people. And uh, I've got to remember why I was going to tell this story because I didn't have this story in my notes. Uh, I'm sure there was a thought, yeah. Um, After year 11 and 12, I had to make a decision with God to say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm happy to not have a relationship for a while, but when I do, I need to make sure that you are more important than that person. And I tell you, I didn't have to share that with, with many girls, fortunately, after that point, but I had to take the, the hard task at some point to have the conversation to express, listen, as much as I love you, God is my number one, and you don't come before him. It's not easy, but we've got to be prepared to give God the best because as soon as we're prepared to focus slightly more on something else, the devil will use that against us. Many people have walked away from God because something has slowly risen and they've, or it has become more important than God. I want to encourage you, uh, if you haven't read the book by C.S. Lewis, um, The Screwtape Letters, it's a, it's a, a made-up book about uh, letters from a senior uh, demon to a, to a junior demon about how to drive a wedge between a person of faith and God. And, and, I, and I, it provides a great refreshing perspective and I want to encourage you, there's a copy down there if you'd like to um, have a read. These witches are evident in our world today. For example, are we more concerned with what we've got 
or are we more concerned with what we're giving God? So many of our needs these days are actually made up of wants. We need to be able to afford these these family holidays we like to have each year, that hobby of mine, that standard of transportation and all our subscriptions. How important are these things to us and how important are they to God? Are we more prepared, with uh, concerned about with what we've got or what we're giving to God? Money. We depend on it. We shape our life around it. We move to its rhythm. It's hard not to because that's the way our society is at the moment. You see, Jesus understood the problem that this can play in our lives because it it was a huge problem for people back in his time and it's exactly the same for us. The rich young man comes to Jesus asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus says, You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. The rich young man comes to Jesus to find eternal life and he discovers that money and possessions have become a boundary between his relationship with God. Jesus completely understands our circumstances. Because money and possessions were an issue back then. Now, in fact, Jesus, he gave the man the hard word. Okay, but did you notice what it says here? Just a small thing. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. We see and hear the care that he has for this man before he then delivers that hard truth to him. Martin Luther said, there are three conversions necessary, the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. Jesus spoke heaps about money in the Bible. In the Gospels, one out of ten verses deal directly with the subject of money. 500 verses throughout the entire Bible. Jesus discussed the topic of money more often than he spoke about prayer and faith together. Considering how much money has corrupted our culture and how much of an issue it is in our context, it's a real shame that in the church, Some churches actually preach only the book of Revelation less than they do preach about money. The church isn't about money. It's about facilitating relationship with God. And we want to make sure that anything that is in the way of that is taken out of the way. 
There's a degree where we have to be bold enough to speak about the things that, like for the rich young man, are a barrier from that relationship. If money wasn't an issue for people, it wouldn't be an issue for the church. After the rich young man went away from Jesus, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, fortunately, God has a solution no matter how much we've got. The disciples then wondered the question, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are are possible with God. And that's why we declare ourselves as a community of faith. Because it's not about what we've got, it's not about what we can do, but it's all about God. Our endeavour isn't by might or by power. It's by the Spirit of God. So we ought to be living by faith. So do you speak to others in faith or in comfort and in conservative, uh, conservative, being conservative? Do you respond to difficulties in faith? Not praying conservatively, but asking God for the big things that you need. Do you believe through faith that your worship joins in with the angels in praising God? Do you give to God in faith? Not giving to God. But do you give to God in faith? How little can you live with because you rely the rest with God, rely on God for the rest in faith? We believe that God is far greater and could do far more with what we've got than what we can. So why aren't we always willing to put our money where our mouth is? What do you rely on more? Your relationship with God or your relationship with others? What your possessions and your money can bring you or what God is prepared to bring you? How God will and can use your time or how you plan to use your time? The irony is that at the heart of Christianity lies the premise that God created everything and it ultimately belongs to him. We exist as stewards of God's resources, which includes our money and our things. Stewardship isn't just an aspect of the Christian life, it is the whole Christian life. For many of us, the struggle to align ourselves with God's will is played out in the realm of our finances. And I would suggest in all the things that we have potential to give to God. 
by being faithful to God with the little we have. He knows he can trust us with more. So why would he bless us with more until we can trust him with, less, with the less? Check out Zacchaeus. His reaction to the suggestion from others that he was far from God and, and he was labelled a sinner. It says this, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus embraced Zacchaeus for the relationship that he sought with Jesus. I tell you, it's much easier to let go when you recognise how valuable the thing that you will receive is. Where is the value in your relationship with God? What are you putting first? Do you see in what you can uh, gain as being far greater than what you can give? Giving to God in faith. If we can understand God's heart for our giving, then perhaps there's some practical things that we can do. We talked about having some practical things these weeks to consider how we might approach giving to God differently so that we have purpose in our giving, intentionality in our giving, to make sure that what we are doing is in faith, and not just because. So I've got a couple of suggestions, different thoughts, and they might be things that just get you thinking and get you going, maybe there's a new way I can do this. One of the things, I call it the empty the wallet challenge. I was actually having a conversation with, uh, with Someone else here, I can't remember who it was. Uh, this is something I, I personally felt challenged at one point when I was sitting in church because uh, for a long time we, we, we give electronically. And I sat there and, and as, the, as the, the, the offering was coming around, I, I looked in my wallet, I saw something in there and I thought, ah, oh, no, I already give God enough. And I felt really challenged to go, well, hang on. Hang on, like how much has God given me? And, and so personally for myself at that point in time, I, I then we've, we play this fun game, God and I, where every time it comes around, there's this journey where, where God goes, go on, give it to me. And each week is a bit different about how willing I'm, <laughs> I am to do that. And, and it's not necessarily about the, the money, it's, but it's about how willing I am to hold on to it myself. What, what my heart is actually doing that, that journey in. And so, um, you know, some, some mornings are harder than others. Sometimes if there's a 50 in there and I look at it and I think, Sarah's going to kill me. <laughs> I, don't make her, I don't mean to make her out as the bad, bad person. That's not at all. A... But I all of a sudden realise I've got a greater attachment to this than what perhaps I need to have. And uh, so I want to encourage you. If that helps you not think about money but helps you think about your approach to giving and your faith with God and what is sitting number one, maybe that's a challenge that you might like to take on. 
Second challenge I've got for you, practically to, to invite you into a, a different space to change the status quo. I want to encourage you to set an alarm. And if, if as I finish this, you feel like I could do that, I want you to do it right this morning, okay? Before we finish. I want you to set an alarm for the same time every day for the whole week, okay? Now, don't be too strategic about this. Don't go like, oh, well, on that day and that day, I've got some spare time there, so I'm going to set the time for this. No, don't be too strategic. Just set it, pick a time, 1.45 or something, and just set the alarm. And every day that alarm goes off, give some time to God, whether it be, be in prayer or, or perhaps you're sitting in your, your, your workplace, in your office, and, and it goes off and you've got to look around and you've got to go, is there a person in need right now? How can I give even my work time right now to God? Maybe you'll actually you'll find yourself in a conversation and God's going to challenge you mightily to go, you know what, I've got, I've got to be bold and give this time right now to God in faith. Maybe you can even ask that person if you can pray for them right then and there. Maybe you can ask, is there anything they need prayer for? Maybe you could just politely say, hey, listen, sorry, I, could, I can explain this further if you want later, but I just need to take a moment to pray. I want to challenge you to be intentional and purposeful, to give even the most inconsequential times to God. Perhaps you need to give it away. When someone comes across your path with a need that you can meet, offer it before considering the effects. Now, if, if you're in a partnership with a significant other, I suggest this can be a dangerous thing if you don't know them well enough. <laughs> Recently, I offered one of our cars to somebody and then had a conversation with somebody else and said, please don't say this to my wife yet. Obviously, uh, I would suggest you can only do this well if you uh, have a strength of relationship and confidence in your partner to know how uh, perhaps gut reaction, what will go down well and what won't. But the challenge is to, when you find a need that you can feel to offer it without thinking too much about the, uh, the consequences. Because I would suggest that while us going down to one car would be an inconvenience for a week and it would mean I'd have to ride to, to work every single day and it would mean that potentially catching up with people in the course of my week may take some more time and effort and I'll have to leave earlier and I'll have to be careful there. I'm pretty confident what God's going to do with that gift is far greater than the things that I'm going to have to sacrifice. Now, I'm not here to suggest easy things because if the things are easy, we'll probably do them already anyway. Perhaps you can consider the things that you've got really loosely and you can just let them go and maybe they'll come back and maybe they won't, but it doesn't really matter. Maybe you can transform your day-to-day. -day. 
in the little things, in those inconsequential times. Perhaps there's a thing that you do rather regularly. It could be going to the supermarket. It could be going down to get your coffee or your newspaper. It could be a walk that you do on your lunch break or, or just something that's a regular thing that perhaps you can pause beforehand and each time go, you know what, while this is a thing for me, I'm going to make sure it's a thing for God as well. And to walk with the Spirit and to be bold with the Spirit and to be open to an opportunity, to be praying for an opportunity. So that things where we can transform the things that are our day-to-day, but they can actually become so much more. Now these things, they're not a comparison tool. They're not a, they're not a measuring stick for people to, to have to rise to and, and, and a criteria to meet. These are, these are suggestions that have just come from journeys I've had with God in relationship with him, where I've been thankful that God has gone, you know what, I'm going to challenge you to do something different. I actually want you to be like clay in my hands to move the way I want you to. So, as we've talked about relationship with God, I want to encourage you to push in with him, to ask him the questions. He's the one you're in relationship with. Have the conversation with him. What can you be doing differently? Do you perhaps need to sit on a smaller chair? (laughs) I think sometimes we can hear testimonies of other people and, and compare ourselves. But the challenge for us is to meet with God, to discover what we're holding on to more than we should. How can we be giving to God in faith and not just haphazardly? Or as a token. At the beginning of, our, of the sermon and all through, I, I introduced and explained a number of times, giving can be monetarily. It can be through our time. It can be have something to do with our possessions. It can, have, it can also relate to our relationships. Is it our relationship or are we giving that relationship to God to be involved with as well? And I imagine while we've talked about each, num- each one of these things, that perhaps for each one of us, our mind has subconsciously kept going back to one thing. It might be a different thing for each one of us. Either that, either that thing is something that God is uplifting in your mind that, that is worthy to be praised for, that he's brought you to a great space where you have a depth and a wealth of relationship in that space of giving. Or I would suggest otherwise, it's been that thing that God has been identifying to you, that he needs to journey with you. Let me encourage you to get your inspiration from God and live faithfully in the way that he leads and to give to God in faith. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that in your grace, as we are here, 
as each one of us sits in different places in our relationship with you. Perhaps some who have just started a journey. Lord, for some who've, who uh, have been around in relationship with you for a long time and, and maybe just need to tilt their head to fake, focus back on you. God, each one of us is a different space with different experiences, with different temptations and different struggles, Lord, with different barriers. God, I thank you that you are so powerful, Lord, that you sit with each one of us in that space right now. And God, I thank you for being gracious enough to point things out to us. Lord, to speak into our relationship. And God, for you to be kind enough to speak into the barriers. Lord, that perhaps in the past we've been willing to criticise others or to point fingers at people. But God, it's actually been a thing that you've been identifying to us in our hearts. Humble us before you, God. Because God, as Scott said, Lord, who else would we follow? God, it comes back to you. Lord, may we have willing hearts and the hands of our potter. Lord, to be shaped into what you would have us look like. In your name we pray. Amen.